Chapter 3. Business Ownership. My Story. I'll discuss the things you'll need to do to set up a successful business later in the book, but now I want to share my story with you. I worked for a boss for 13 years before I started my first business and have since run five businesses, and the experience I gained can potentially save you from making costly mistakes. My first job was in property management in 1972, building and growing a rent roll for my boss. After five years, I moved into sales of new high-rise projects, land subdivisions and local residential sales. To be honest, it was a great experience and I was generally happy with my role and had no strong desire to open a business or do anything differently. That is until my boss went out and bought that Rolls-Royce. It was in that life-defining moment that I realised I was more valuable to myself than I was in giving my hard work and loyalty away to somebody else. I would later come to realise that this profound insight had given me the inner confidence to pursue my dreams, and it has continued to serve me as I progress through my life and face the challenges that life brings. As I said before, if you work for somebody else, and most people start this way, then you are part of their wealth creation program, and that's fair enough. It's part of your education, where you will gain valuable experience. But that doesn't mean you can't surround yourself with the best people to reach your goals and dreams. You may need to work in a support role for a while to gain that knowledge, but at some stage, in order to progress, you need to make that leap of faith into building your own wealth creation program. Let's face it, no one else is going to do that for you. Back then, I wasn't necessarily the number one agent in the area, but I didn't need to be. I simply applied myself, learned the ropes, worked hard, and knew the basics well. I was also smart enough to realise that if I genuinely tried to help people, success would follow. It's not necessary to be the very best at something in order to be successful. There's always someone better out there doing really well. Too often we let ourselves think that we aren't good enough or clever enough to be successful. Don't let other people's success knock your confidence. Take a look at how they are achieving it and adapt those steps to work for you. In my opinion, there are no secrets to success, so don't ever pay money to learn the secrets from anyone. More on this in Chapter 10. Success simply follows doing the right thing by people on a continuing basis and working hard to achieve your goals. Apply yourself to the task to the best of your ability and give it a go. Now I'm going to take you quickly through my businesses and alert you to the mistakes I made. So these next few pages could save you more than 30 years of learning and a lot of money. My first business, mid-1980s. Immediately after the life-defining Rolls-Royce epiphany, I decided to look for a business. It wasn't long before I found and bought a small rundown real estate business with an even smaller rent roll. I thought that it was a good starting place, and it would have been if the business had been in the area where I'd been working. This was my first mistake, establishing in a different area. I had spent 13 years in one area where I had worked extremely hard and was well known, and I then had to re-establish myself in another new area. So my first recommendation is to stay put and plant your roots in an area. Of course, I'm not saying you can't move around and be successful, but it's a much harder road. You'll be taking two steps back before you can take one step forward. If you keep pulling up a plant and replanting it in different ground, then it will struggle to establish and grow. 
However, I worked extremely hard. Failure was not an option, and the business steadily grew. I had taken out a loan to get started and was able to pay it back within a short 12 months, which surprised me and strengthened my belief that I'd made the right decisions. I then slowly grew the rent roll, signed on to a national franchise that was new to New South Wales, and built a very strong business, which was debt-free. It was a typical suburban shopfront, which was expected and necessary back in those days, real estate office located on the main road in Balgala, near Manly, in Sydney. My tip. Stay local and build your business from the ground up. With every small success, your resolve will be strengthened and you'll never look back. My second business, mid-1990s. After 10 years and now with over 20 years' experience, I visited my old boss, the one with the Rolls Royce, the one I thought was lazy, but he was smart. After all, he was driving the Rolls and had me doing the work. We hatched a plan to merge our businesses together, enjoy greater economies of scale, and we would save outgoings with only one office and shared expenses, etc. Taking it one step further, we found a third business, another national franchise, did a massive merger and ended up with a huge rent roll of around 1,500 properties, with an impressive two-storey prime street frontage corner position, employing about 30 staff and a commercial division located in Mossman, one of Sydney's most prestigious suburbs. Sounds like a dream come true, right? And this is when I started borrowing large sums of money, which in hindsight I would not recommend. Macquarie Bank said that of all the agents on their books, our business was the most profitable, based on our projected profit after expenses. Can you guess where this is heading? Unfortunately, the projected profits did not materialise. What happened? It was all looking so impressive on paper. Well, in a nutshell, the costs of running that business went through the roof and consumed the massive income it was generating. We looked like the market leaders, we acted like the market leaders, and in fact we were the biggest real estate agency in the area at the time. Unfortunately, bigger is not always better, that's for sure. It takes very specific and special skills to manage a business of this size and to keep control of the ongoing costs. The truth was that we didn't get it right often enough to make the profits we needed and were expecting. So this is where I will say something that you will likely hear on repeat in this book, and I can't stress enough how very important it is. It's not how much you make that counts. It's how much you get to keep after all the expenses are paid. This is the bottom line and the only figure that matters. Within 12 months, my partner retreated back to his old business and I battled on for another eight long years before selling out, completely exhausted and no further in front financially for all my efforts and risks taken. I did, however, learn a very valuable lesson in reducing costs. At this time, the influence of technology was emerging and the need for displaying properties in shop windows was diminishing. So I moved the entire office to the first floor, sublet the ground floor, which was the expensive component, and reduced my rental outgoings by 80%. Interestingly, this move made no difference to our incomes. It had taken a great toll on my life and it was a big lesson that I wouldn't wish on anyone. My tip, bigger is not always better. Keep your expenses at a minimum, avoid taking on debt, and know your limitations. My third business, around 2000. While I was still operating the Mossman business and during my final few years there, I started an independent boutique business called Professional Property Partners, 
which managed my original rent roll from Balgala, what was left of it, and sales in Balgala. I had one person managing the rentals and, well, blow me down, would you believe? It was making great profits and was a breeze to run compared to Mossman, which was complicated, stressful and expensive. Professional property partners was so simple to operate, with only one staff member who I'd worked with for many years. Plus, we had no office, which interestingly, nobody, customers especially, seemed to care about, nor the complications, expenses and limitations that came with a franchise. The rent roll was operated from a home office, so the operating costs were minimal and covered entirely by the income from the rent roll. When we listed a property and sold it, it was pure cream. So it was simple and profitable compared to the Mossman money-munching monster. Operating both businesses at the same time gave me a very clear picture which business was better. Then I made a huge mistake by selling professional property partners to the person who was running it in order to reduce debt, which at the time was strangling me. My tip. Simple and profitable businesses are better than expensive and complicated ones. My fourth business, 2004. After I sold Mossman and had recovered my energies, I started another independent boutique business and just called it Paul Davies Property. I was determined to make a success of this one. I knew from my experiences owning professional property partners that a small business was economical to run and didn't require a massive income to be profitable, nor did I need a shopfront. It sounds like a no-brainer, doesn't it? I was in part correct. However, the business needed to compete against the other major players in my area, and this is where I noticed the shortcomings of establishing your own brand and business. It was like being a tiny island in an ocean of agents. In short, I was lacking image. Image is more important than reality, and unfortunately, my image was small. As you know, franchises offer a ready-established image, with all the business set up ready to go with a cookie-cutter production line efficiency. Unfortunately, they have a high price tag and tight constraints on the way you operate your business. Trying to build your own brand and compete against established franchise players is like starting a hundred steps back before you can take a step forward. Potential vendors often find it easier to choose an agent that has the perceived backing of a brand any brand really, as there is no such thing as a best brand, it's what you do with it that counts. A brand that they are more comfortable with in the marketplace to list their property. As an agent without an established brand, it isn't impossible, but it's a lot harder to compete, and it takes a lot more time to set up the business systems and branding and establish trust. Often a vendor will feel more confident knowing a brand is backing an individual will usually ask less questions and will feel, more importantly, that the marketing will cover more bases with the established brand. It takes a lot of time, effort and money to commission a new brand design and get set up. In fact, you'll find yourself doing a whole load of things that you're not really qualified to do when you should be out there generating new listings. Suddenly, you're wearing a lot of hats and are relying heavily on the advice of other people who you hope are experts in their field and can steer you correctly. It's a huge leap of faith. You must set up the brand, website, marketing templates, etc. Then you won't know until six months down the track, after you can assess market feedback, if it's actually been done well. If it hasn't, by then it's too late and your chances of success have been greatly diminished. 
An established brand takes this substantial risk right out of the equation. My tip, if you're going it alone, be prepared to spend a lot of time and money creating a brand and marketing materials. Promoting and establishing the new name of an independent business in your marketplace takes a long time, especially if it's to be recognised and trusted. It's a massive distraction from core income generating activities and carries increased risks to success. My fifth business, 2008. Third time lucky obviously didn't apply to me, and by this time I'd spent over 30 years of my life in the business of real estate. I was boasting to my very patient wife, Annie, about how Paul Davies' property was so inexpensive to operate compared to my other businesses. I had no shop front or office expenses and no staff, so the operating costs were minimal and, apart from securing business, it was stress-free to operate. This was the ideal business, except for one small but extremely important detail. Competing against the other major players in my marketplace was incredibly difficult. In fact, I lost listings to other sales agents, who frankly I wouldn't have ever employed, but they had a bigger well-established image and all the bells and whistles and marketing advantages. As a small business, I could not compete against them. Her response to me was so profound. It dramatically changed the direction of our lives. She said, Well, if it's such a good idea, Paul, why don't you replicate it for other agents who are complaining about the costs of operating their businesses, but add a brand to it and keep it all economical? It was another of those life-defining moments and the seed was planted for what was to become One Agency. You can read more about One Agency in Chapter 11. My tip you don't have to rewrite the rule book when you can learn from other people's experiences.